Anyway, we're back uh, in the we're in the book of Romans. If you missed last week, that was the first week of Romans, so you can uh, go back and listen and kind of keep up, keep along on that. But we are in the book of Romans. If you want to uh, turn your Bible to that, I also have the verses up behind me. But if you're using the Bible, you grabbed on the way in. It's 9:37. And if you did grab one of the Bibles on the way in, you want to keep it. Be our guest. Take it home. That's our gift to you. Uh, keep the Bibles. But the title for today is the power of the gospel of Christ Jesus. The power of the gospel, Romans 1, 8 to 17. And as I was getting ready to do this, I was thinking about, did you ever wonder how Christianity ever caught on? Why it spread the way it did in the first place? Why it went so fast? I mean, it was just explosive, right? It wasn't a promising start. This carpenter guy gets nailed to a, executed on a cross, right? Uh, a few fishermen were following him, but they were all hiding, right? We, we went through all that. There were no buildings. They didn't have any church buildings. Um, they didn't have any safe places to meet. They met in tombs. Uh, in Rome, and they met in homes, a lot of homes, and that's where they met. There were no crosses. People didn't wear crosses around their neck. That would be like wearing an electric chair around your neck. Nobody would do that, you know. It's a, a, a form of execution. It wasn't a cool thing. There was no gold, uh, you know, crosses at that time. Uh, yet two centuries later, Tertullian, one of the church fathers, brags that the Christians now outnumber the Roman army. The Roman army. Did you know in China... The Christians outnumber the Communist Party. Did you know that? Outnumber the Communist Party. Probably don't hear that in the media. But anyway, it's truth. Uh, Why? How did this happen with Christianity? How did they explode? How did the church in China explode, right? Well, historians like to point to some... uh, Historical facts like Roman roads. The Roman roads made it possible to travel for Paul to travel. Like we just went through the book of Acts. The Greek language, there was a universal language that everybody could speak. And so it was very easy to spread. And now, those are helpful, and we know that's how God planned things out. But we know from the book of Acts that it really spread because of the, of the power of the Holy Spirit, right? We went through that in the book of Acts. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to focus on today is who the Holy Spirit used. He used the early Christians, the early Christians. And these Christians, sometimes I read their lives and, and I wonder, who are these people? I, I, it's hard to even un- relate to them in the USA today. They live these attractive lives, lives that just pulled people to the gospel. You know, there's how many Gospels are in the Bible? Four. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Oh, nope, there's five. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. <laughs> Me. We're the fifth Gospel. Uh, that's Our lives are the only Gospel most people will read, especially in the U.S. now, right, Chuck? <laughs> very few have read it. And that our lives are living out those Gospels, and very, very important. And that's what they did. They lived out... The gospel, Justin Martyr in 165 A.D., he was talking to the leaders, the Roman leaders who were persecuting the Christians, and he said, don't judge Christians until you look at our lives and see the difference. That's what he said. What is it? What do we say in the USA today? Uh, uh, don't look at us. Look at Jesus, right? That's our, our holy way of saying it. Don't look at our lives. Look at Jesus. That's the excuse we use. But that's not what they did. They said, look at our lives. See the difference. And Christians just lived a whole different way. They didn't fear death. 
They didn't fear the latest plague and, you know, lived in fear and shut down their house churches. They didn't do that. They, and there was lots of plagues in Rome, let me tell you. They didn't fear that. You know what they said? That one of, I can't remember who said it, but I have the quote, you can kill us, but you can't hurt us. That's what they said to the Romans who were persecuting and killing them. They said, you can kill us, but you can't hurt us. Ignatius, when he was facing the lions, he said, he said bring them on. Bring them on. We can't relate to that in the USA today, can we? But that's what these, who were these people? I think the key was they must have read Romans 1. They probably had it memorized because they didn't have many Bibles at the time. They probably had it memorized. They read Romans 1, Paul's gospel. And Paul's attitude toward the gospel is what we're going to focus on today, and I hope it impacts us the same way it impacted these early Christians. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the worship. We thank you for everyone who's here live and all those who are watching live stream, Lord. We know that there's no accident that we're hearing these words, that your mercy and grace wants to touch our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray if anybody has not ever put their faith in you yet, they've never taken that step of faith, that today would be the day of salvation. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so so first of all, if you weren't here last week, we, we started off with Paul's gospel. Just a quick review. Paul's gospel last time in Romans 1, uh, 1 through 5, where it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was the descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience which comes from faith. So we focused on that. If you didn't hear that last week, go back and listen because it's a powerful passage that we focused on. But also it, it builds. Each week builds. But the gospel, we talked about the gospel. The gospel means good news, good news, good tidings, good news, great news. That's what it means. And the great news is we were stuck in our sin. We were separated from God. We were facing judgment in this life and the life to come. We were, we, but Jesus came and took our punishment on himself. He died on the cross to, to, uh, to pay for the sin, and he rose again from the dead with the power of the Holy Spirit, the resurrection, to give us brand new lives. That's what, that's what the great news is, that now we can all be set free by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. We don't have to fear sin. We don't have to carry shame. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to let the devil knock us down left and right. We now can live free because of what Jesus did for us. In Romans 3:23, it says, "For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus." We've all sinned, but we can be justified just as if I never sinned. How? By putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we can receive that. That's the great news. That's the great news. What do we do with exciting news? What do, what do we normally do with exciting news? We tell everybody, right? We had, you know, the, the, the Kappas, I'm sure they've told everybody they've seen. They got a new grand, we had a grandbaby too. Grandson, same thing, telling everybody. I don't tell them the name, but I tell them everything else about that. Yeah. Laurel goes, I don't like the name. I'm going to call him Pup. I'm going to call him Pup. That's what she's saying. Yeah. Uh, I said, it's a wolf cub. I don't care. I'm calling him Pup. Anyway, uh, that cute, cute, cute baby. Love him, love him, love him. Uh, but we tell everybody good news, right? 
exactly what Paul did and exactly what he tells us to do is to tell everybody. And let's read the passage here. And as you know, I haven't memorized. I hope I should. If you were here last week, you know why I haven't memorized. But anyway, uh, Romans uh, 1 verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how I is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times, and I pray that now at last by God's will the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you that, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan many times to come to you, but have and, been prevented from doing so until now in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to the Greeks and the non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. As it is written, the righteous will live by faith. We're going to have fun with this one. So, so in this passage, we I'm going to pull out, and a lot of you did this. So I gave the assignment on email. If you're not on my email, uh, the email in the back of the bulletin, send me an email. I'll get you lined up. You can get that every week. And we also send out text blasts, too. But if you want that, just shoot that out, okay? But Or if you're listening live stream, some people don't get the bulletin. NHCC at Comcast.net, okay, for those who are live streaming. But the there's three attitudes that I think jump out at us toward the gospel. Uh, Len found four. Thank you, Len. He found four. But he's not preaching today, so we're only going to do three. So, <laughs> You found the four, remember? I, I told him, he said, what is my grade? I said, you're going to have to grade yourself after the sermon, right? So Len, Len did his homework. Uh, okay, so the first one, the first attitude is in Romans 1, 9. Romans 1, 9, where Paul says, God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, whom I serve with my heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you. I think we got cut off there. In my prayers at all times. Okay, anyway, we, we got chopped off there. All right, that's all right. All right. So God, who, good thing I have it memorized. In my prayers at all times. Okay, and I pray that now. Uh, okay, that's good. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. Um, I, I, did, I didn't give you the verse 10, did I? All right, anyway. God, whom I serve with my whole heart. That's my daughter. She always beats me up after the service. All right. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son. This is, I call this one total commitment. Total commitment. He pre- he's preaching the gospel with his whole heart. His whole heart. Total commitment. Whole heart. It's pretty obvious when our heart isn't in something, isn't it? You have kids, not, their heart's not in homework, right? You know, or, or a game they're playing, or, or school, or, or our own job, our own work, when our heart's not in it. Maybe it's our marriage, not in it. It's pretty easy to see when our heart is not in something. I grew up on a farm, as you know, and... Uh, my heart was not in farming. My dad knew I was never going to be a farmer. No, no, no. He knew that, all right? Uh, I didn't take Future Farmer. I wasn't in the Future Farmers of America Club at school, all right? They're, they had one. They don't have that new hope, do they? But anyway, they had one. And, and uh, my dad knew that, and my heart just wasn't in it. And, and I remember lots of things happened. But I remember one time he said, uh, come, come down, bring the wagon down after, you know, where." 
we would have lunch, and then while while we were eating lunch, my brother Billy and Todd, my brothers Billy and Todd, we would watch the Maverick Brothers. Remember the Maverick Brothers, Brett and Bart? We would we just love the Maverick Brothers. So we'd be watching that, and my dad would go out to start the work and while we finished the Maverick show. And then he says, when, when I'm going to be out bailing hay, and I want you to bring a wagon to such and such field. And, and we all, yeah, 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 I'd be half listening because I, I want to be a cowboy. I don't want to be a farmer, right? So, but, but I remember one time he says, bring the wagon down. So I, I hooked up the wagon. I started driving. I'm like, what field is he at? You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know where he was. And the farm was a couple hundred acres. You know, and there's, you can't see everywhere. There's trees and everything. And I'm like, it took me a while. He was not happy. So the next time he says, okay, Chuck, listen. I'm going to be going over to this field, you know, and, and okay, I got it, I got it. Bring the wagon over. As soon as the show's over, I'll be done with another, ah, oh, yeah, okay. No, no, no he, I'm not forgetting, shut the TV up. Listen, I'm going to this field. Bring the wagon to this field. I got it, Dad, I got it, you know. A typical teenager. So he, so he leaves, we finish the Mavericks, and I go get on the tractor, I start, it, I start driving out, I'm driving across the field, I can see a way across the field, and all of a sudden I see my dad waving to me. I'm like, I just saw you, Dad. What's the big deal? So I wave back, you know, I was joking around. Then he's like, then he's like standing up doing this. I'm like, okay, I'll do that too. I stood up, started doing that show. You know, I'm, I'm having fun with it, you know. He's my dad's a clown, right? You know, he's joking around. So I, I'm driving out, and then he stops the tractor, and he just like has his head down. And I come driving up. I go, what's the deal? He goes, you forgot the wagon. Yeah. <laughs> so I drove all the way out without the wagon. He, now he's stuck, right? So. My heart wasn't in it. A lot of you, our hearts aren't in things, right? You can see it. And the, for the majority of Christians, I would say that our heart is just not into sharing our faith. That's what I, I think the majority of us don't. We, it's kind of like eating vegetables, eating veggies, right? I know I should and I'll try it, but I'd rather not do it. You know, that's, you know not eat it, not, not share my faith. Often it's because in the USA today, we're told to keep our mouths shut. We're told to not. Share our faith. Keep your faith to yourself. You want to be a Christian? Fine, but keep it to yourself. Of course, that only applies to Christians, not to those who are anti-Christian. They're allowed to say whatever they want, whenever they want it, right? But only to us. But that, that's one of the reasons we feel a little bit beat up, a little intimidated, right? We, but we need to not listen to the culture. We need to listen to Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the great commission, the great commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission. Our main job, the last thing Jesus said to do is is to go and make disciples, baptizing, teaching, leading them to Christ. That's our whole focus. Our main, if you're a Christian, now if you're not a Christian, you're off the hook. You can relax here. But if you're a Christian, you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Our main purpose in life is to fulfill the Great Commission. Did you know that? That's our main purpose, is a, and, and that's what we're supposed to do with our whole heart, our whole heart, just like Paul talked about. Second attitude, second attitude, Romans 1, 15, where he says, that is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. He, this attitude is eagerness, eagerness to share the gospel. Now, when you think of, when you think of the word eager, Usually, witnessing doesn't really come to mind, does it? 
I mean, you're watching Family Feud. Okay, things you're eager to do. Uh, let's hear it from, okay, here Bob, you know, Bob starts. Okay, uh, uh, witnessing, witnessing. Okay, let's see, is it up there? Things you're eager to do is witnessing, sharing your faith. It would not be there, right? It's not going to be in Family Feud. It, it's, it's not there. Why aren't we eager to share the gospel? Like we do with other good news. We share other good news. But the best news we have, we're not eager to share it. We're afraid to do Why are we? Because we're afraid. We're afraid to upset somebody. We're afraid to lose friends. We're afraid to get attacked, right? We're going to get attacked many times for that. I mean, not like Paul in the book of Acts, who was stoned, but, hey, words hurt too, right? Yeah, you get my point. He did it. He got attacked. He still, he still, you know, shared his faith. Listen, fear is never an excuse. Fear is never an excuse. It's, it's not. It's just sharing our fear of sharing our faith is not biblically an excuse. When uh, some of you remember, I got to tell this story. Some of you remember when I what happened to me in kindergarten. It was my most traumatic event in my life. Uh, I was I was uh, in kindergarten and I went and uh, it was time I needed to use the bathroom. I went went to the bathroom. Remember the bathrooms in kindergarten? You'd you'd go in, you turn the light on, there'd be a little red light that would go on. Just let so, if somebody's in there. And there's a little window up high that only the teacher could look into. You remember what I'm talking about? Is it, it may still be that way. I don't know. I've been in kindergarten a long time, but but I'll never. Forget. I went in to use the bathroom bathroom and I was went to the bathroom I was standing there and and then I was all done and I I leaned over to flush the toilet and I flushed it but as I went back I lost my balance and I fell into the toilet and and I, I fell in head first uh my but my head was okay but my arm got went down stuck in and, and I'm in the toilet, stuck in the toilet, and I couldn't get out. It was so slippery. Have you ever been in a toilet? And very slippery. Very slippery. You talk about slip and slide. This was slippery. And I could not get out. I was tipped over into the toilet. My arms stuck in, and this water starting to fill up again. And I'm like, I'm going to drown in this toilet. I couldn't get out. And, and, and thankfully, the teacher, Mrs. Verati, yep, I still remember her name, Miss Verati, at the time she got married, she had a different name, Miss Verati, I'll never forget. She's like, where is that Chucky now? You know? So she comes over. What's he doing in there? You know? And she looks in, and I'll never forget. I'm looking up. Where's Mrs. Verati? And I'll never forget. She looks into the window. I could just see her eyes. She had these black eyes. And these are like, boing, boing. She's like, oh, I'm going to get fired. It's going to look bad on my resume. You know, kid drowned in the toilet under my watch. Right? And so she opens the door. I come running up, pulling me out. She goes, what are you doing in the toilet? You know, she yelled at me. I go, I fell in and I couldn't get out. She, and then she felt bad. Oh, it's, I'm sorry. It's okay. You know, she, I was soaking wet. She took off my shirt, put it on dried in the, you know, on the, where the heat comes out, you know, whatever that is. Put, put the shirt there, let it dry. Here I'm walking around without a shirt in kindergarten, which I didn't care. I'm a farm kid. I never wore a shirt. But, but all the, all my friends were like, where's your shirt? Where's your shirt? Why aren't you wearing your shirt? I go, none of your, I never forgot. None of your beeswax. I never forgot. I said it. And, and I was, I was grumpy after falling in the toilet. But, but listen, later in the day, and it was traumatizing. It was scary. But later in the day, I had to go to the bathroom again. Guess what I did? I went back in the bathroom. Why? Because I had to. I had to. And, and, and it's the same with witnessing. It doesn't matter if we're afraid. We have to. <laughs> you never heard any of my farm stories, obviously. But it's, it's, I, we have to. Have to. 
Fear, listen to this, uh, remember this, fear is a natural emotion. It's not wrong to have fear. Fear is not sin. But fear is sin when it keeps us from being obedient. It's sin when it keeps us from doing what God has commanded us to do. And that is what, why we, we can't let fear negate our eagerness, right? Third, third and final attitude is Romans 1.16. In Romans 1.16, it says, and I hope you memorize this one, powerful, memorize it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. It's the power of God. And, and, and I'm not ashamed. I'm going to call this boldness. I know Len had a different word for this, but you're right on target. Boldness. Not ashamed. Not ashamed. Listen, Paul was battered. Remember we did the book of Acts? We preached to that last couple years, all right? And, and he was battered. He was stoned, left for dead, whipped, shipwrecked, everything. But he stayed bold and sharing the gospel, sharing about Jesus Christ. How? How could he do that? The, the NASB version of 1 Thessalonians 2.2, I like this version the best for this verse. And 2.2 says this, 1 Thessalonians 2.2 says this. Do we have that one? Am I missing it? Did I give you the wrong verse? Ah, that's what messed me up. Okay, sorry. Second Thessalonians, you should know what I mean. Okay, you should know what I mean. But, uh, but, uh, but uh, well, uh, I'm going to read. The NIV is not as good, but I'll, I'll try to fudge it from this. All right, hold on. 2-2, uh, First Thessalonians 2-2. Two, two. First. Sorry about that. Two, two. Oh, here we go. We have pre- we had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. Remember all that we talked about Philippi and all the battering he took. But with then uh, I with the help of our God, we dared to tell you His gospel in spite of, instead of in spite of strong opposition. Uh, uh, the word in the NIV is better. It says he was. We got our boldness in the Lord. We are bold in the Lord. That's why he was bold, because he got it from God, his boldness. Didn't matter how many times he got battered, how many times he got smashed, he was bold in the Lord. That's that's what he Oh, you pulled it up? Okay. Uh, yeah. We had boldness in our God. Thank you. We had boldness in our God to speak to you. I was going by memory as best I could. To speak to you the God we had boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amidst, amidst much opposition. He was getting hammered, but he had boldness in God. That's where he got his boldness from. That's the key. That's, he, he got it because he knew the power. Back to Romans 1.16, he knew the power of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. He, he knew the power of the gospel. He had seen its power to save. He saw its power to set people free. He saw its power to transform people. Where did he see that? His own life. He was a murderer, killing Christians. What are the wor- The chief of sinners. Second, I'm, I passed him, but he's second worst sinner ever, right? He, he, he had seen its power in his own life. He seen the power of the gospel. And as, as Chuck Harrison had just had said, uh, he called it dynamite because we know that word for power is dunami. It's where we get the word dynamite from. He knew it was dynamite. Uh, you know, it was powerful. 
I got to tell him another farm story. I told Bob uh, Noble I would tell it, and more farm stories. But anyway, the, he grew up on a farm too. So my dad has a great dynamite story. Uh, some of you have heard this before. My dad, when he was in high school, he was in Future Farmers of America. He did take the agriculture class. They actually have ag classes, and uh, they had it when I was there. And he took the class, and in his ag class, the, the teacher was, this was right after World War II, very different life. So not like now, but the teacher was going to show them how to get rid of big rocks in the fields. And they had a lot of dynamite left over from World War II. In fact, there was a, a, a building, uh, you know, where they kept the dynamite in and, and they, they would lock it up. Uh, they had it locked, obviously, but he would go and he said, I'm going to, I'm going to show you how to use dynamite on your farms because farmers would use that to get rid of big rocks at that time. And so he said, does anybody have a big rock in your field? My dad says, I do. I got a big, we got a big rock. My dad can't. Uh, there one field, even when I was there, there was these big rocks underground. You couldn't even, we just plowed around them. They were just so big. But he goes, there's one big one my dad really wants to get rid of. The teacher said, okay, tomorrow we're going to go to Billy Wilson's farm and everybody meet there and we're going to blow that rock up. I'm going to show you how to do it. So they get there. The whole class is there. And, and, uh, School was more fun back in the old days, wasn't it? And so they, he, he's setting all the, the, the caps around and the dynamite, and then he's talking to the class. He has his back turned. He's telling them what, how to do it, what to do. And my dad and his friend, he, they're like, I don't think that's enough to get rid of this rock. So they went over the box. Oh, they went over the box, and they start throwing. <laughs> this is water, not nitroglycerin. But uh, they, they start throwing. They threw extra dynamite into the hole where the other dynamite was. And so they're like, we think we need this much. So the guy's talking, talking, and he finishes the class. He says, okay, now everybody move back this far. This should be far enough to go back. So he moved him back a certain distance back. But my dad and his friend just kept running. They just kept running. He said they dove into the creek bed. He showed me where they dove into the creek bed. Dove into the creek bed because they knew they weren't far enough away. And then he set it off, and he, it was like an earthquake. An earthquake. It was crazy. They got rid of that rock and every rock in that field. It was cra- blew up this massive rock. He said there was pieces of rock flying everywhere. Everybody's ducking. They're nervous. It's like being World War II all over again. And and the teacher goes, I don't. He's got dust in my dad got out of the creek bed. And he's like, I don't understand what happened. I did it like I was supposed to. I don't understand what happened. He never. never he didn't tell him what happened either. Right. But but that that's the that's the power. That's the power we have in the gospel. It can get break any stronghold it can save anybody it can break any stronghold it's the do not me the power of the gospel that we we all carry if you've got a bible if you've got the the word of god in your heart and in your head we have power that can save anyone and break anything look at what we've seen in new hope community church in these last 23 years, look what we've seen in our lives. Look at our testimonies the strongholds that have been broken in every one of our lives Right? Every one of our lives. And we've learned to live by God's mercy and grace in spite of the damage, instead of the, the vulnerability, instead of our broke, in spite of our brokenness, we've learned to live by God's mercy and grace in amazing ways. It, 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 we've seen the reality of the gospel power. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, this is really our church verse. I, I do it every time I get a chance. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11, this describes our church. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers will inherit, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you 
were, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. That's what we all were. We could add a lot to that list, couldn't we? Many times over we could add to that list. But it's what we were. But we were washed, sanctified, and justified, just as if we never sinned. That is the power of the gospel. Are we living out the power of the gospel? Are we sharing that power? Are we looking for open doors? Looking for those open doors? Are we praying for them? Listen, if you pray for the chance to share your faith, God will give you chances. If you're hiding, oh, no, I don't want to do it. No. But if you say, God, please give me the chance, he will open doors. You'll have more doors you can handle. I hear your stories, lots of your stories every week, more door, chances that you get. Be ready. Once you pray that prayer, then be ready. I, I call it like fishing. Uh, I, sometimes I get kids fishing, and we cast out the hook, and we reel it, and we cast out the hook. Constantly be casting out the hook, but sometimes we don't get any bites. We've got to change the bait. So we change the bait, and all of a sudden, bam, bam, bam. You know, we're looking, we're casting the hooks, we're looking for the right bait to open the right door that the, the, the spark somebody and what did jesus say i will make you fishers of men fishers of men right and and it's very important that we know the basic gospel you don't have to be a genius you don't have to know the whole bible but you better know the basic gospel i always use john three sixteen, easy right for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life have that memorized be ready to use it know how to share your testimony why is the testimony so important your story your story of how you became a christian why is it so important because nobody can challenge that it's your story right uh they they might not like it but they can't challenge it that's something that we we all can share is our story what jesus did for us very very important and if you're not sure of how to do this you want some training chuck harrison stand up chuck real quick give away give away chuck is here he will train anybody anytime he'll come to your house he'll do anything if you buy him lunch he'll he'll if you buy him lunch he's happy to do it all right uh, or bake him something he's happy to do it but but he but He'll train you, know, training on how to share your faith, uh, how to answer hard questions. And he'll even try to talk you into going out with him out, out, in, out in the streets and, and uh, watch him in action. You don't have to say anything to stand there and pray. Watch him in action. But, but it's so important that we're ready that we know how to, to share our faith. Are we excited about sharing our faith? Are we excited about it? One of my favorite, you know, I'm a his, historical buff. I love history. And uh, one of my favorite stories of history was in 490 B.C. In 490 B.C., the Greeks of Athens were fighting the Persian army. They were massively outnumbered. Huge Persian army. Going to wipe them out. Just this little nation state of Athens there. And, and they were on the plains of Marathon. The Plains of Marathon for this battle. And the general who's running the show, he wanted someone to run to Sparta, which was kind of a, you know, Sparta and Athens had this rivalry, but he, sometimes they would join together to fight the enemy. And he tried to get the Spartas to come, so he needed someone to run. And he, and he, he had his fastest runner. Oh, I can't pronounce the whole name, but I'm going to just call him Pip. If you, that's Pip for short. That's his nickname. I'm sure it was Pepfelfelees or something like that. Anyway, I just call him Pep. Uh, he, he sent him to Sparta for help. So he goes off running to Sparta, and he runs 150 miles in two days. Two days. He says, Sparta, come and help us. The Persian army's here. They're going to wipe us out. Good. Go back home. We're not helping you. He said, no. Turned him down. 
He turns around and runs back 150 miles in two days. Gets back, got a drink of water, picked up a sword, and started fighting with the army. Amazing, shocking victory. Somehow they defeated this massive, massive Persian army, way, way big, ten times bigger, giant group. They defeat them. It was a shock. And the, the Persians were shocked too. They, they were the ones who survived. There weren't many. The ones who survived jumped back on their boats. They still had more than the Greek, the, the Greek army. They get back on their boats and they sail away. And the general says, oh, no, they're sailing toward Athens. They're going to probably try to trick the Athenians into giving up because they, they're expecting us to be wiped out. They expect us to lose. So he was afraid they're going to stop with the boats and say, hey, we just defeated the army. You better open the gates or we're going to kill everybody. He was afraid of that. He says, we've got we to get the word to them. Quick, where's Pip? He says, quick, Pip, run to Athens and tell them. 26 miles away. 26 miles away, exactly. 26 miles away. He, he, although he's exhausted, he, he just ran 300 miles and fought in a battle. He runs that 26 miles. As he enters the gates, They see him coming. He beat the Persians. They open the gates. He comes into the gates and he says, rejoice, we conquer. And then he dropped dead. Dropped dead. He ran the first 300 miles out of love for his country. He ran the last 26 miles with a message of victory. We have a much more important message to share. You might not be able to even run one mile, but, but we have an important message of Jesus Christ's victory over sin and over death that we can share. We need to bring this message to the desperate people out there. The, the fearful world out there, they, they are desperate and fearful. Look what just happened over this whole COVID thing, right? We saw desperation everywhere. They're still scared to death. We have a message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we can't let anything or anyone stop us from sharing that. And Dave Adams sent me uh, something, uh, a little video, like a couple, 30-second video uh, a while back, right? Was it uh, Teller? Uh, Penn. Uh, what's, what's his name? Gillette Penn? Is that his name? Yeah. And Penn and Teller, you know, the, the funny guy, but he's not really so funny in real life. Uh, listen, he gives his opinion. Dave said, and I've been saving it for this sermon. It's interesting that you're here today. He gives his opinion of Christians who won't share their faith, who won't witness. Let's just watch this. Don't respect people who don't proselytize. Oh, wait, wait, time out, time out. He's an atheist. Penn is an atheist. He's giving us an atheist perspective I, that was important i gotta give that okay this is an atheist talking okay can you restart it thank you don't respect people who don't proselytize don't respect that at all if you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever and you think that uh well it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward and atheists who think that people should proselytize just leave me alone. Keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? 
How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. Don't respect people who don't prosper. Wow. I had it wrong. Penn Gillette was the name I had it backwards. Wow. That's an atheist talking. Will we live out the gospel and share the gospel? I want to encourage you to memorize Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Say it every day. Meditate on it. First thing you say every day, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Make that our number one purpose. Number one purpose here. And, and maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to say, do you know the power of the gospel in your own life? Do you know that power in your own life? Have you ever seen your life changed? Have you ever been forgiven, set free? Romans 1.17, the very next verse says, For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. As it is written, the righteous will live by faith. You can have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You can be made right in God's sight by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. By faith in Jesus Christ, and I always end, as you know, with John 3.16. You better have it memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. As we go this time of prayer, whether you're sitting here or sitting out there somewhere, wherever you are, Do you know the power of the gospel in your own life? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever put on the righteousness, be made right before God through his son Jesus? You can be forgiven of anything. Any shame can be washed away. You can be made a brand new person through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. By putting your faith in Jesus. And you can do that right now. Wherever you are, you can do that right now. The simple prayer of faith. It happens in your heart, but I always encourage people to pray a prayer of faith to put the exclamation on it. But the simple prayer of faith, God, I repent. I repent of Everything in my life that goes against your word and your will, your purpose in my life. I ask you to forgive me. Wash me. Justify me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm putting my faith in your son, Jesus. I'm giving my life to him. His death, his resurrection for me. My total faith. 
if you have prayed that prayer, if you have put your faith in Jesus in your heart, or if you do that, something powerful has just happened. The power, the dunami of, of Jesus Christ has just destroyed your old sinful self, has just destroyed Satan's claim on your life, has just destroyed the shame in your life, has just created, made you a brand new person. Therefore, if, the, if uh, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has got, come the old has gone, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You are a brand new creature now. And the Holy Spirit has just transformed you. And you will be shocked. You will never be the same again. I want to encourage you, if you've taken that step of faith, to tell somebody. Maybe you have a family member or a friend here or wherever you are who's a Christian, who's been praying for you, been witnessing to you. Tell them. If you're here and you don't have anybody to tell, or tell me on the way out. I'd love to hear because we want to be able to be excited for you and encourage you in your new life in Jesus Christ. We're here for you. For those of us who already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Who is he putting on our heart and mind to witness to, to share? To knock them out of the way of a speeding truck eternally. Father, I pray that we would look for every chance, that you would give us many open doors, that you would open hearts and open lives so that we could share the love of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray this week each of us would have many chances. We would see the many chances that you're giving us. I pray that in Jesus' name.